Yesterday we started with a major Kabbalistic concept, the concept of Tzimtzum, the idea of how much Hashem had to diminish Himself in order to create this world and how that can cause us to feel a love to Him because look how much He had to do in order to create space for us to exist. And Tanya continues, For the details of these diminishments, the hows and the whats, here is not the place to elaborate, although it's discussed extensively in Kabbalah. Our discussion here is a practical one. It's aimed at demonstrating how Hashem's diminishments were an expression of His love for each and every one of us, so that you and I can mirror that love. So we're not going to go through an analysis of the complex and nuanced tzimtzum, diminishments that happen, but we just need a detail enough to help us fulfill our goal. So he says like this, Generally speaking, the diminishments are a hiding, and a, not a hiding as in a hitting, but rather hidden, a hiding and a concealment of Hashem's light and energy flow. The intention is that Hashem's infinite light shouldn't flow into and illuminate the lower worlds. You see, because again, if they illuminate the lower worlds and the lower worlds won't exist, they'll be burnt up by the intensity of the light. It's a restraint out of love on Hashem's part. He held back his light from you so that it wouldn't overwhelm and erase you. Hashem didn't diminish his light completely because some light must flow in and become enmeshed in the lower worlds to power them. Otherwise, they wouldn't exist. But this is a tiny, minuscule amount of light and energy. Just enough light so that the lower worlds can exist, at least in a finite, limited form. Now, how diminished is this light? How minuscule? This radical diminished light is very small glimmer of light, and it's literally considered zero in comparison to its source, the unlimited infinite light. There is no relative value or comparison between the light that God sends to create this world and Hashem himself. Because mathematically, the term relative value has a straightforward meaning. For example, the number one has a relative value to the number one million, because one is just one part of one million ones. But compared to something that is infinite and beyond number, it has no relative value mathematically. So that even a million or 100 million compared to infinity isn't even one millionth or one hundred millionth. Rather, it's literally considered zero because infinity is a different set of counting. It doesn't fit into numbers. So a million is not any closer to infinity than one. The Atlantic Ocean is not any closer to infinite amount of water than the water in your cup because infinite is an entirely different category. And it's exactly the same with the minuscule glimmer of Hashem's light enmeshed in the upper and lower worlds compared to Hashem's hidden and concealed light, which is infinite. Now, the term hidden and concealed used here in reference to the infinite light could be confusing. After all, you can't actually see any of Hashem's spiritual light, neither the infinite nor the finite light, which is in the world. So why does he use the word hidden and concealed? So the issue here is not whether the light is visible, but rather if it is receivable and compatible with your existence. Because in order for your existence to continue every second, you must receive Hashem's energizing light. So hidden and concealed means that this light is unavailable for you because it will literally not allow you to exist. 
Obviously, Hashem's infinite light is everywhere, right here, right now. It's in the room with you, it's inside your body. The problem is that it just passes right through you like a radio wave. You cannot receive it. And to, to express this phenomenon, to depict it, the Zohar uses the word makif, circling. And this is a concept that we brought up throughout the Tanya classes over the last few months. And here he goes through it a bit more. It says circling or encompassing. It doesn't mean that it's outside of you, but it's there to stress how inaccessible it is to you. Makif the infinite light is often described as encompassing as if it were above you. And that's why it's called sovev kolamin. It surrounds all the worlds, but it doesn't mean surrounds that isn't like a circle around the globe, but rather it means it cannot be encompassed within the world. It cannot be processed. It's like a radio wave because the world cannot receive it. The infinite light is of course found everywhere, but if we are to speak in terms of where the light and energy can be received as an accessible flow, we have to say that's above us, beyond us. Because a flow which is palpable in this world is called hitlapshut, halbasha, enmeshed. Since it meshes with the world, which integrates and grasps the flow it received. It's a light that could be understood. It's like going to a lecture where you could actually understand what's being said versus going to a lecture in Chinese that technically it could be understood, but it's totally over your head and you don't have the capacity to comprehend it. So something that you could digest is called the light that becomes enmeshed in you. Something that you cannot digest is called the light that surrounds you. So now that we have clarified the term encircling, the Tanya explains how it is applicable to the blessed infinite light. That since the worlds are limited and finite, it follows that the infinite light cannot be enmeshed or palpably revealed in them. That is, except for a tiny minuscule sliver of light, which is very, very slight and diminished, and is simply there to energize our limited world. But the primary component of the light, devoid of any significant diminishment, is called encircling, because it doesn't flow palpably into the worlds which are limited and finite. So this idea of, of the blessed infinite light is something of a paradox. The light is present and accessible only in a radically diminished form. But the real undiminished light is non-present in the sense that it's inaccessible. And that's despite the fact that it's exactly and really right here. And this is one of the great paradoxes of Jewish mysticism. Um, and something that the author of the Tanya in his great book, the Likuti Torah, encourages us offer, often sorry, to meditate on this concept, the idea of the two energies of God, the makif and, the, and what he calls the memale, the one that comes in, and the paradox between the two.